Hey, everybody. Happy Patch Tuesday in February. We made it to February already. This year is already, you know, cruising by and some good stuff already happens this year. I guess you could call it good if you wanted to, right? Avanti, Anydesk, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Tom Boyer here again talking about uh, Microsoft's latest Patch Tuesday release. And with me today, I have two folks from, from the Automox team. You want to introduce yourselves, Jason and Seth? Hi, I'm Jason Kikta. I'm the CISO and Senior VP of Product here at Automox. I'm Seth Hoyt, and I'm one of the uh, security analysts here at Automox. Well, cool. Welcome to the show. No, we're, what is this, number four? Number five? I can't count. I don't even know. <laughs> number too many. I feel like we've been doing this forever right. now, right? We get past like, 10 and I'm going to have to take off the shoe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> as long as they don't cancel us in marketing because we're yes, just right, good. That's right. You know, they're, they're jealous of our amazing podcast skills. <laughs> but yeah, uh, February, it's been a busy year already, right? We've had some 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 stuff coming out and um you know i don't think february is going to be any different and you know this first vulnerability that it just starts at the very top right 2024-214-01 which is a microsoft intra jira the jira plugin sso privilege uh, escalation vulnerability and essentially what this is is you know anybody that hasn't updated their jira plugin and I believe it's both cloud and on-premise is, you know, is subject to kind of a privilege um, escalation of privilege vulnerability where an attacker can basically take over your Jira instance just by sending a uh, specifically crafted payload. And, you know, I don't know if everyone remembers, you know, back in the summer, there was a, a no-auth vulnerability, right, that, I think Dscope published it. I can't remember, but it, it's essentially the same thing, right? There's a flaw in the AZ um, enter ID now, what they're calling it, you know, tenant infrastructure where it, you just have to change your email and you can get into pretty much anything. So quite the interesting attack vector, right? We think cloud, we think a little safer than this, but yeah, out there for the taken. And, you know, Jason, I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts on this one and, you know, given your history, right, how juicy of a <laughs> vulnerability this would be in your mind? This is actually, um, you know, it's fairly juicy on the surface because, you know, taking over any, you know, any, any network service is a lot of fun. And, and I mean, this looks pretty straightforward. You know, the attack complexity is low, Um you know, the impact to, to confidentiality, integrity, availability, all high. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it's just a, you know, as far to Microsoft's knowledge, it's proof of concept only, but, um, you know, just modifying uh, or, or, you know, throwing that script allows you to update the SAML metadata and uh, change authentication of the application from, you know, your, the, the owner's, enter ID tenant to your, you know, the attackers, uh, tenant is, is pretty juicy, but where this really gets, um, bad is the fact that so much sensitive data ends up in Jira at every organization. You know, Jira is, uh, 
Um, it, it obviously it's a ticketing system. You know, it can be from the IT team, security team, engineering team. If you have engineers and developers on your staff, uh, you know, so wide applicability across most businesses. And you know, if, if you don't have really good data hygiene or or really like ticketing hygiene principles to keep sensitive data out of there, then you're potentially looking at two breaches here, one to get into JIRA and one then with an actor potentially exploiting something based on what's in JIRA. So that's that's why this one really got my attention is that it's this implication of, you know, that sort of secondary possibility, which could be, you know, more than two. It could be quite a few um, out of the information in JIRA. So this one's definitely a must to patch right away. Uh, from my perspective, Seth, I don't know if do, do you see it the same way? Do you think that, that that this is sort of a a larger systemic risk to an organization using Jira, or do you think it's it's narrowly scoped? Um, no, I definitely think so as well. Um, you know, especially uh, you know the attack vector. I mean, you, they don't even have to be authenticated or anything. Um, you know, so they could you know they can get in with that payload and uh, you know relatively easy. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely a uh, an interesting one. And I was, you know, it's it's funny too because like when vulnerabilities like this come out, there's always like, uh, you know, someone always goes on Shodan and like looks how many public tier instances yep. <laughs> exist yep. on the internet, right? Yep. And you know, this is a little off topic, but I thought it was interesting. Like, you know, in in the community, I, I saw a post where people were complaining about. Um, honeypots were like <laughs> they were you know that. adding you know <laughs> it was, the uh, they were like uh there's more honeypot jira instances on the public facing internet than actual ones so like, yeah by an order of magnitude right so when those like when those numbers come out and people see them like oh there's three hundred thousand exposed jira instances on the internet right and you know someone's like well there's probably only like you know five thousand and the rest are honeypots and, yep um you know i just think back like as an industry that's it's such a security thing right? <laughs> it, it is it is and the other interesting thing is that not all of those honeypots are benevolent so right. even if somebody doesn't have you know even if there's a bad actor out there who's not able to figure out the particulars of this there's value in having those because most of the time actors are not going to take the necessary uh, extra steps to, to validate, Hey, is this Jira with intra ID uh, enabled? They're just going to throw it and see what happens. And, you know, a lot of that's going to get eaten up by those honeypots. And if another actor has one, well, they're going to start throwing it as well. And, and it becomes a, th this is the sort of bug that becomes a free for all for exploitation rather quickly. So, um, you know, yeah. just don't don't just take the CVSS 9.8's uh, word for it. Take ours as well. This is one you want to patch right away. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, moving on. Um, another one, and you know, this is I think the second time we've talked about smart screen mm -hmm. on this on this show. But you know, 2024 21351 Windows smart screen security feature bypass vulnerability. Another one. And, you know, to me, this is just, <clears throat> it's another one where, you know, this one has been exploited, you know, in the wild. 
And to me, it's just like, you know, that smart screen window always pops up when someone downloads something they're not supposed to, right? And bypassing that is incredibly valuable for really anyone with various purposes. And, you know, the other way around it is like an EV cert, right? Which is, you know, much more difficult to get, especially if you're, um, you know, <laughs> of suspicious origin. But, you know, uh, a zero day in the, in the product itself, I think is just <laughs> incredibly valuable, right? And, you know, reading the patch notes, you know, the, the attacker can inject code into smart screen itself, which, you know, I don't remember if the last one was similar. I think the last one was a direct bypass, but this one just, it just screams like somebody somewhere has been really poking at smart screen and they're finding creative solutions to bypass that prompt. Yeah. And Seth, you know, I'm curious from a, an attacker's perspective, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Right. I mean, obviously pretty big deal bypassing smart screen. Um, you know, uh, and the, the method for this one being convincing a user to click on a malicious file. Let's be honest, that's not very difficult. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and once they do, um, you know, they, they uh, exploit that vulnerability, therefore bypassing smart screen. And from there, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, could be a pretty big deal if this one doesn't get patched soon. Yeah, I always feel, I always feel that uh, flaws in security products are sort of a double whammy and, and they're understandable to an extent that they have to do a lot of parsing and there's, you know, ample room to find bugs whenever you're parsing something, right? Most uh, bugs come from parsing errors. And so uh, that appears to be what's happening here, but it's a double whammy when a security product has a security vulnerability because not only does it enable them, you know, the attacker to do something they ought not to be able to do, but it also means that you've now lost a line of defense. So you kind of get hit coming in, going uh, with these and, and just being able to, um, you know, get in there and uh, basically do um, injection through Mark of the Web is just sort of mind-blowing to me. Although, I, again, I can see how it ended up that way. Yeah. And it's it's interesting in the patch notes where you know they marked it as it's been exploited, but the exploit code is unproven. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just you know one of those secret handshake things, like hey, this That's is right. being exploited. <laughs> <laughs> you better get a patch out for it, right? Or yeah. or some other mechanism where I don't know. I just. I'd make I'd make a joke about NSA telling them, but they wouldn't be able to do it without a PR campaign. So, <laughs> yeah, I just you know you're right on the the double edged sword thing too. You know, attacking security products, I think is can be so damaging, right, from a reputational standpoint, and then you know from a as a defender as well. Like, right, you start to lose trust eventually in those products, right? Because again and again and again, you know, you see these old days, these campaigns exploiting it, right? And this tool that you you use to, you know, try to help turns into just another piece 
you know, that's used to attack you. And right. It's it right, uh, right. Yeah. It gets hard to get that trust back too. Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, enough of Microsoft. Do we want to talk about, you know, Mac OS 14.3, the latest release? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I dug through the notes as well. And there's, to me, there's just one, you know, CVE 2024-23218, which is this, this side channel timing issue in the core crypto library of macOS uh, Sonoma, where, um, you know, legacy RSA PKCS version 1.5 ciphertexts can be decrypted without a private key, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> really juicy that one is. Um, and, you know, Jason, I'm curious your thoughts on it, right? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, 1.5 is really old, right? Like we're talking 90s era, um, you know, this was obsoleted in 98. So you might be, you know, I think people's initial reaction when they see this sort of thing and just say, oh, well, it's it's irrelevant. But then they should probably circle back around to the wait. Why is Apple patching this in 2024? <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't yeah. know what they were um, you know, using it for within core crypto library, if it was some sort of backwards compatibility module that never got removed, or if it was still an active use. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of the danger of cryptography over time. And I think too often people think about, you know, the instantaneous, uh, the contemporary risks of cryptography of, oh, you could break into my stream today, you could de decrypt my communications today. And they don't always think about, you know, that if something doesn't, if support isn't deprecated and removed from an operating system uh, or from a product that, uh, you know, it might inadvertently get used uh, as, as well as, you know, sometimes you can, you can be dealing with a time machine type situation where you have something encrypted with that. Uh, that an attacker is able to now go and replay because they've developed the side channel attack. And so, you know, I, I, I'm fighting my urge to dismiss this based on age simply because support was still in there. And it makes me really, really curious, um, you know, why it was still around decades after being deprecated uh, and what it was possibly used for, even if only inadvertently. Yeah. And I think back to like TLS, like 1.0, 1.1, yeah. right? Where I think five or six years ago, there was this big industry push to get everyone off 1.0 and 1.1. And, you know, I think a lot of people today are still using it. Yeah. And just because those RSCs are deprecated, right? It's not like those things magically go away. And That's right. Even in even some companies, you know, they turn them back on in, in, <laughs> in their OSs. I've seen products... Right? add support for deprecated protocols and you just you sit there and you shake your head but it's it's real and it happens yeah agreed 100 percent. it you know there are, there's a couple other ones in here right some kernel you know timing issues um and in the like right lots of webkit stuff and i just feel like you know maybe it's just my personal opinion 
but I swear like the last two years, like the last year or two years, Apple has really come under the microscope from a security standpoint. And, you know, Seth, I'm curious if you kind of share that same, same viewpoint or not. Maybe I'm just, yeah, I mean, I've been hearing a lot about it. I mean, obviously, um, uh, you know, in the past it was always, you know, uh, I'm on a Mac, I don't get viruses and you know, it's, it's that whole, it's just like, you know, that may be true, but you got to look at the, uh, the whole environment, you know, windows devices versus Mac, you know, um, these Apple devices, like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a bad actor and you're going to want to get the best bang for your buck, you're going to write, you know, viruses and, and malware for, uh, the majority of the people, which are, you know, windows. Um, you know, so now, you know, obviously Apple and, and Macs have always been popular, but, you know, there's a lot of companies, you know, they're going full Mac now. And, um, so, you know, they're getting, they're getting a, a much bigger audience now. So, you know, that happening is forcing, you know, uh, Apple to take security a little bit more serious and, um, you know, things that are coming out, you know, like you said, them being under a microscope, you know, it's, uh, they gotta, they gotta stay on the game to keep that reputation. Yeah. And I think in 2023 was the first year they, they started doing those like security only patches, yep. um, which is a major change on how they've always operated. And I think that's just, I don't know and, what it is to be And honest. it still seems to be a little bit in fits and starts. It appears they don't quite have that process where they want it to be. Um, and I'm glad that they started it, but I really want them to get there because, you know, when you're talking about 14.3, like that's a pretty significant upgrade. But then you look in here and you see WebKit, uh, CVE 2024, 232.14. And it's, you know, WebKit processing malicious, maliciously crafted web content may lead to arbitrary code execution. I would like to fix that quickly, right? Like yeah. I don't want to have to upgrade from 14.2 to 14.3 just to get that fixed. That's something that you want to push out like right now, right now. Um, yeah. And so it's just, it, you know, again, it's good that they're addressing this stuff. It's good that they're finding it. It's good that they have security fixes, but now they need to kind of bring it all together and improve execution of that. Yeah. And, you know, would you, I guess my other question is, would you rather have like a, a patch Tuesday cadence like Microsoft or, you know, I always felt that how how Apple releases their updates, it's always like, oh, you know, today is fine. Tomorrow you have like 30 CVEs drop and your your whole day right. is ded dedicated to, you know, updating your endpoints. Whereas, you know, Microsoft, at least we know on, you know, the first Tuesday of the, the whatever, Tuesday of the month, then, right. you know, we got to think about patching endpoints. So... Yeah, I'm kind of a both minds there. And one is, you know, I like to have it on a schedule because I can plan to a schedule. I can plan my patching and my policies around that schedule. On the other hand, um, you know, I'd rather have them as soon as they're ready to go. And if it's, you know, delayed to meet some arbitrary schedule, that could be frustrating. I mean, the, the way to bridge that gap is to put out uh, you know, in-stream security updates for high-priority fixes, which, again, Microsoft and, and Apple are both doing to an extent, but, you know, it's just, it's got to get better. I, I, I feel like that's probably the the way that we'll be able to, to reach that happy medi medium, but it's just not where it needs to be for the industry. Yeah, totally agree. 
Awesome. Well, you know, as with any Tuesday, stay on top of it. Get your get your endpoints updated. You know, don't forget about your don't forget about your Mac devices. Those are becoming um, very juicy targets in the enterprise. And you know, thanks Seth and Jason for coming on and you know rambling Absolutely. about <laughs> vulnerabilities. And you know, happy Tuesday, everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Happy Tuesday and happy patching. Cue awesome outro music. <laughs> <laughs> meow, 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 meow.